0: I'm Alex Delcero, I'm Alex Delcero, I'm Alex Delcero, and we have, we have, we have just Eddie, Eddie. it's Eddie Sauer, Needed to France. Eric Marie, it's Mahe Drysdale, it is Sir Matthew Henson, thank you for being here. I'm Alex Delcero with Rower's Choice, and this is another podcast, and we're continuing the trend of unknown rowing programs, okay, look, we're not talking to the, the, the Cows and the Washingtons and the Princetons and the Yales, no, 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 no. We're talking to the programs that still win races, that don't get a lot of recognition. And in some cases, people don't even know it exists. Now, I'm with someone who's been in the business for a long time. And when I mean long time, I mean like over 20 years. And this is Manny Valentin of Skidmore. He is the head coach of Skidmore College. And I know some of you might say, where the heck is Skidmore? I don't even know where Skidmore is. That's a joke. Manny, thank you for being here. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm excited. Let's do it. So, Manny, we do the same thing every single time. I want to know, how old were you? Where were you when you took that first rowing stroke?
1: Yeah, I was 2003, September 2003. Uh, I went to Ithaca College to play basketball. I was going to be a walk-on, uh, but I kind of saw what my role was going to be. I was going to be the garbage man. I was going to be the guy that... Everyone clap for when he got off the bench with 30 seconds left. Uh I might have played by my senior year. Uh and I kind of saw the writing on the wall. I even I even met with the coach, uh, my senior year of high school. And he said, he's like, What's your story? I said, I am the garbage man, but I'm the best garbage man you're ever gonna meet. Like I know my role. It's to play defense, it's to hustle, it's to rebound, it's to make practice uh game like, but I also recognize my my limitations and I just want to win. Uh
0: you know, just, you know, back in, you know, back, uh, the mighty ducks too, it was like, they're all like, <laughs> pick up the garbage like that. I just literally I just yes. thought like, that's yes. Manny, the garbage Yeah, man.
1: Yeah. Uh, but what frustrated me is that no matter how hard I worked and I worked really, I didn't get better, which was frustrating. Uh, and I found rowing. I went early to, to campus for a community service project. One of the guys was like, I'm going to try crew. I said, what's crew? He said, rowing. I was like, boats. He said, yeah uh and there was an informational meeting i said i'd go with him uh to check it out uh, the racing seemed awesome i said oh this could be this seems fun i remember them crossing the buoy for a thousand and we're like cool why are you guys still go and they're like that's halfway i was like oh that seems awful uh, but there were 30 other guys they had never done before i said cool let's do it um tried it didn't didn't instantly love it uh, it took me a long time to to kind of fall in love with it. But I did love the idea of having teammates uh, and being part of a varsity sport at college. And I love the idea of that the harder I did work at this, the better I got. And then finally, I was able to work and see results versus in basketball, I worked and I worked and I worked and I still wasn't good. Uh,
0: what's your, uh, so what's your stats? Like, how tall are you? Like, give me, give me like, because I'm trying to think, like, are you like six foot six or? no.
1: No, I wish I would. If I were six foot six, I would have kept playing basketball. Uh, in, in sneakers, I'm six two. Yeah. Uh, I went into college uh, as a freshman, 168. By the end of fall break, I was 185 to 190. Uh, and then I graduated like 180. So I'm in between middleweight. Uh, wow. So I'm not, I'm not a, a yeah. big guy.
0: So Ithaca, Ithaca has got a a long history of rowing, right? Ithaca has been around a long time. Rowing has been a major part of that college campus for decades. Um, What kind of, how do I say this? What kind of a success did you have rowing for Ithaca in the, in the like 2003 to 2007 era?
1: Yeah. Uh, Moderate success. Uh, I would say. And I think my teammates would agree. We were always fit and in shape and we were ready for the early season races where we kind of found some, some early season success. We were ready to roll a little higher, a little cleaner, a little earlier in the season. Uh, but then once the big guys figured it out and once the big guys got in shape, they, they caught up to us by the end of the season. Uh, and that is kind of where we had like a, a ceiling on our, on our skill and ability. I feel like we hit our ceiling. We just, our ceiling wasn't very high. Uh, and my teammates would agree, but we, we always put up a good fight. Just when you're, I was the biggest guy in my boat. Uh, and there were, there was a couple guys who were a little uh, thicker, but not, not as as tall. Uh, early on, you know, we, we were in shape. So we were able to roll a 32, 33 when others weren't. But once, once the big guys figured it out, then we were in trouble.
0: Who, who, um, like who did you race in that era? Like who are the teams that you consistently would compete against week yeah. after week? Uh
1: Hobart. RIT, U of R,
0: yeah, the whole, Skidmore, the whole New Sing England. Yeah. The whole New England. Yeah. So yeah. you're you're gonna find a lot of success in against those programs, right? Like Ithaca historically is a little bit better than um, those programs. But like, would you raise dad bills? Would you go down for that race? No, at the time it was ECACs. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Uh,
1: NIRCs uh, out in Worcester.
0: So you, you, you never really, you, you don't really know rowing until some fall opportunity in 2003. Um, you're clearly a rowing coach, right? So like, yeah. what the heck happened in those four years at Ithaca that made you want to continue doing this?
1: Uh, oof, yeah. Uh, just like my the start of my rowing career, the start of my coaching career was the same. Uh, I knew I wanted to get into sports psychology. I, I found a book, I loved it. Uh, and I was like, I wonder if I can go to grad school for this. Like, people have PhDs in this, they can clearly go to grad school. Uh, yeah. so I did a little research, and Ithaca had a grad school program. Uh, and then I had the opportunity to stay as the grad assistant. I was like, this is perfect. I could stick around for a year, get my master's, uh, coach. And kind of figure out what I want to do next. Uh, so that's how I got into coaching was through my grad assistantship uh, and getting my master's in psych. And then uh, I was writing a thesis that took four years. So then I just kept coaching. Uh, and then throughout I was trying to do a little everything as you as you get out of college. I uh, do I want to go get my PhD? Do I want to coach? Do I want to just consult? Uh, so I was doing a little bit of everything and In retrospect, doing a lot of things okay. And and then by my fifth year coaching, I was like, what if you just coached? What if you didn't try and get your PhD? What if you didn't try and start a consulting business? What if you just threw yourself into coaching and see
0: how it goes? Uh, Let me, let me, let me, I want to direct something here. This is, you said something very interesting. Um, First off, I want to know your family support. Did you have a lot of support from family? Saying you're like, hey, I'm gonna get a master's. I'm not gonna get really paid anything. And then, by the way, I got this four year thesis that I really want to finish. <laughs> like, were they supportive of that decision?
1: Uh, yes, my mom's incredible, and she told me. Uh, I remember the, the, the phone call to my mom when I wanted to start rowing because I chose Ithaca to play basketball, and I turned down scholarships to go elsewhere that I couldn't play uh, couldn't play basketball, uh, and my, my sister had called my mom and said, you know, Manny, Manny's not playing basketball. What? He's, uh, he's rowing. She's like, rowing? She's like, you know, like boats. <laughs> and I called my mom and I told her and it goes dead silent. And then she goes, sweetheart, are you happy? I said, I am. She goes, all right, do it. Um, and I was like, don't. And that's it.
0: Uh, and Moms, and moms been, just want, they just want their men and, and boys and girls to be happy. That's it. Yes. Moms. Moms are the best damn support system um, ever. And it's funny, it's different. Like I my mother found me rowing. She's like, hey, stop playing football. You do rowing. I'm like, rowing? Yes. What the hell is rowing? Like <laughs> rowing's for weirdos, man. I don't want to touch that. Um, so the second thing that you said was at the time, you must have been 24, I think. My right. math is right. You're 24, 25. You're doing a lot of things okay. I think. I think the trap that a lot of young coaches fall into, especially now, uh, young people, it's like, they try to do so much and they're just okay. Did, did, was there an event in your life that you made you say, I gotta, I I can't be a, what master of nothing. What is that phrase? Like what happened that made you realize that? Cause at 24, that's something really powerful to realize.
1: Yeah. Uh, So I had been applying for PhD programs, and I only want to go to specific PhD programs. I wanted to be in one that was in a rowing city, because I wanted to work with rowers. Uh, I love the mental side of of rowing, so I wanted to to be able to continue with rowing. So West Virginia had an excellent PhD program that a lot of my classmates went to, but there's no rowing in West Virginia. Uh, I want to go to Philly. I want to go to Boston. I want to go somewhere like that. Uh, And... I wanted to do applied stuff. I didn't want to do research. Not that I, I didn't, I didn't want my main focus to be research. I wanted to be working with athletes uh, oh. in the boathouse. I don't want to be stuck in a lab doing, doing interviews. Not that I couldn't, or I, but what excites me is working with athletes. Uh, and I, uh, I met with, I interviewed with uh, 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 a potential program uh, in Boston was super thrilled, a uh, former rower. We hit it off. And it was, my interview was just us talking about rowing and the mental side of rowing for, for like three hours. And she's like, this is awesome. And I left failing, feeling really good. And then like a month later, I got a rejection letter. So I shot an email. I was like, what happened? And she goes, my, she's like, oh, I meant to reach out to you before you found out. Uh, my colleague retired. I had to take on all his, um, his advisees and I can't take anyone else next year. And I was like, Phew. but I took that as my sign. I was like, you know what? what do you want to do? I really value the relationships I have with my athletes. I really, really value the mental side of the game uh, of the sport. Uh, And I I like work with athletes. I was like, you can get all three of those things coaching. Mm -hmm. So dive into coaching. You don't need to, to get your PhD to get those three things done. So dive into coaching, continue working with athletes, continue coaching the mental side of the game uh, of the sport. And, and, continue having really good relationships with your athletes. Uh, And I was able to get those three things while coaching. Uh, So, so that's when I made the transition. And and then the whole thing became so much more enjoyable. First, when I spread myself thin, I didn't have the time to develop relationships with athletes because I had to run off to the next thing. You know, Mm -hmm. practice is over the the fit, the half hour before practice, the half hour after practice, you're just hanging around the boathouse. So much can happen. And I had a jet. Because I had, I had another thing. I had another thing. And then once I got rid of those things, then I was able to get more kind of uh, joy out of it for myself
0: uh, out of the sport and out of coaching. So when you realize this um, master of none situation, you, you, you focus on coaching. Where did you coach? Like what, what program did you, did you land on to start that focus?
1: Yeah, so I stayed at Ithaca. Uh, I stayed there for for five more years, so I was there for a total of nine years, uh, and coaching the freshman men uh, and the novices out of Ithaca for for those five years.
0: That has to be terrible coaching novice men. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, so
1: <laughs> I, I've told my team this, and and I say it with love. I love novice men because, and novices in general, because their learning curve is so steep. Oh yeah, like sure. what they what they know now. Uh, you know the athlete, the first when they first get in the water is going to be completely different than seven weeks later. They're like doubling their rowing experience, uh, so I love that. And they're always so much fun. Like college freshmen are fun. Uh, they have like this enthusiasm and this energy that kind of bring me up. Uh, and and you kind of feel like a you feel like an awesome coach because you see like the progress happens yeah, so good quickly.
0: Point, good point. Uh, now why? So who was the head coach of Ithaca at that time? Uh, Dan Robinson. Dan Robinson. So did you at what point, because, you know, you're there for five years of coaching. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, when did the idea of like being a head coach hit you? Like, did you like when you were like, I I need to get that top position? When did that happen? Uh, Probably my fourth or fifth year coaching. Uh, You just realized like, this is my profession. This is what I want to do forever. Yeah. That's a tough thing. I mean, Look, rowing coaches historically don't make a ton of money, right? So mm-hmm. you must really love coaching <laughs> yeah. to want to continue that focus. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, I like I talk to guys, men and women in this sport all the time, and you work 70, 80, 80 hour work weeks, and it's a grind, like a constant mm-hmm. grind. Yeah. So where do you go after Ithaca? What happens?
1: Sure. I So I left Ithaca uh, knowing I'd been applying for jobs and not getting any bites, not getting any interviews, not getting any callbacks, I said, all right. uh. Why do, you think, you. why
0: do you think that is? Why do you think that is?
1: Oh, I didn't have the experience or the, the, the resume to justify a callback. At the time, I was like, my crew finished third at New York States, I'm legit. And now looking back, they like, <laughs>
0: uh,
1: you know, 24-year-old man, 25-year-old man knew everything. Uh, but I <laughs> knew I wasn't getting any callbacks. Uh, so after my fourth year, I didn't get any callbacks, I said, all right, stick around for one more year." And after my fifth year, uh, I was like, "All right, it's time to time to make a move." Uh, applied to different places. Ended up in Marietta. I was in Marietta, Ohio, uh, uh, Marietta College for for a semester, uh, and what then at the that? end, of, mm, 2012, fall of 2012. So who were you coaching with?
0: Uh, Phil Schmel. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I went there for a year. Um, okay, I I had yeah, I went there for a year where ben, when Dan ben Carry was there. Um, okay, that's a huge shock to the system when there's eight numbered streets and like ten lettered streets, and the damn it. it's this big, like it's this big, the whole the whole yeah. the whole place. Yeah, but it's one of the most beautiful campuses I've ever been to. Like they they Marietta really does it well. So okay, you're there yes. for one semester. Um, now I'm actually so I'm okay so. Some of the advice that I've been given when I wanted to take the coaching career was summer coaching is a big deal, right? Like go to clubs, try the U.S. national team circuit. Did you ever do that in those five years at Ithaca? No.
1: So what and were you I doing wish I had.
0: Oh, what were you doing the offseason then?
1: Working, uh, saving enough money to, to hold me through the, the, the okay. school year,
0: yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. writing a thesis that I was putting off during the school year, uh, transcribing interviews for, for the thesis, getting that done. Yeah, okay. uh, and i wish i had been doing more coaching i wish i had had stepped out of my comfort circle earlier and that's the advice i kind of give all younger coaches to kind of find a network that you're not in and try and get in uh the earlier the better uh but finishing that thesis uh the transcribing interviews uh, the listener recordings and and typing those out took took a lot of time yeah
0: well, I think, but I, I think also um, to point out is when you're when you're a coach in college and you're there for nine, 10 months, it is a you need a break, just like any teacher. Like you really do need a time to like just shed that weight. Um, yeah, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot. All right. So then you you do Marietta. Where's your path headed next?
1: Uh, I knew I wanted to come back to the East Coast. I I, I didn't like being so far from my family. I wanted to be in a, a place a, a little bigger. Uh, so I, I actually interviewed at Syracuse with Justin Moore. Oh, yeah, he had, a, he had a, a third coach position. It was just for the spring. I said, great. A bunch of my teammates lived in Syracuse. Uh, and I was coming East for the Jim joy conference. So I met Justin at a, at a conference and wow. interviewed there in person. We had lunch and went great. Uh, I said, cool. I'm going to Syracuse. This is amazing uh i said who else am I able to, to move on a dime have housing secure be ready to go so i thought i was all set he called me like a month later and yep. said good news bad news i said all right what's the good news he goes you made the top three i said fantastic what's top the bad three. news he goes "Because you didn't get the job i said come on <laughs> uh, uh, and the, the guy it they, they was totally fine he had been there before when it's only a 10 position you know the administrative stuff the learning curve you don't have a lot of time like fully agree with is is his kind of uh his decision but he goes uh, SRA is looking for a coach I said I saw that job it's for like middle school that the, I coach I coach freshman freshman men. I want to coach college he goes go to SRA he goes you're gonna learn a ton, ton. you're gonna expand your network go to SRA uh, I called uh, another coach who's a, a highly respected coach I was like what do you think about this he goes, uh, middle school, that's tough. He's like, who you work with? It's Eric Catalano. He goes, take the job.
0: Oh, that's a good okay. <laughs>
1: uh, I said, so these two D1 coaches say take the job. You you shut up and you, you take the job. So I interviewed, took the job, and moved out here February, moved to Saratoga February 2013. Uh, and that is how I ended up in Saratoga Springs.
0: I was coaching at Bishop O'Connell in 2011, 12 and 13 and okay. Saratoga hosted SRA nationals. And I forget which year that was, I want to say 2013, 2012, 2012. Before I got here. Before you got there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What a, what a, okay. I'm really interested about this whole D one coaches telling you to go down, down now, Hindsight, you made the right decision, clearly, right? Like you made the right decision. And there's a stigma in our sport that if you coach juniors, you're a joke, right? If you just coach juniors, tell me why that's wrong. Tell me why it's wrong that it's not a joke.
1: No, uh, I've learned so much from high school coaches, from middle school coaches, from JV coaches, because the truth is we we all love rowing. Everyone who coaches doesn't do it because it's glamorous. We don't do it because we're going to retire off it. Uh, We do because we love the sport, uh, but also recognizing that we do have lives outside of coaching. Mm -hmm. And uh, high school sometimes affords you to do those other things. I know when I was coaching in middle school, it allowed me to to pick my kid. Now, Now I've got kids. It allowed me to pick my kids up from school, right? for From care and and to put them to bed, uh, which I'll I'll be forever grateful for uh, to be able to to hang out with my kids and still coach Rowling. How how old are your
0: kids? How old are your kids? Four and two, four and two. Okay, great. Got it. Okay. So, yeah. And I think what, what you said there too, you talked about earlier is you loved coaching the novice and now now you can really help direct a child's future at 12 and 13 and I think you know you agree with me our sport does a terrible job of bringing in young children to row right like we're just we're missing we're missing something all shapes sizes colors doesn't matter we do a really bad job of transitioning and and here you have a chance to take hold of the parents too which is the most important part in my opinion right get them transitioning (laughs) And luckily, luckily, you were in a place that does a really good job. Like Saratoga Springs, Saratoga, they are in my in my, in my opinion one of the best at that junior level. Do you agree with me on that one? Yes. Uh, the whole uh, long
1: term method development that one step always set up the next step, uh, and having that insight. You know, Chase and Cat both having a plan that everything's connected. It's just not like, hey, you're varsity now. Here's here's a thirty k. Like, there's a progression from middle school to, to varsity that I, I loved.
0: All right. So, so at what point do you get this job you have now?
1: Oh, so I'll give you the abbreviated version. I was at uh, SRA for a year and a half. Uh, I left, went to Sagamore to be the head coach at Sagamore uh, in Long Island. Mm-hmm. Was there for two and a half years. Got some head coach experience. Got to be in the driver's seat. Got to be the decision maker. Uh, got married you know, kind of, kind of made a step there. Uh, and then my wife got pregnant, uh, and she goes, we're moving. She's from Saratoga Springs. She rode for SRA. She was one of the other middle school coaches. This is home for her. And yeah. she goes, we're going home. I said, can we talk about it? She goes, this is the talk. <laughs> I said, all right, cool. We're going home. So, uh, and my, my, my pre, my boss at Sagamore kind of knew, I said, I sent him an email, Pat, we got to get, we got to get beer soon. So he goes, all right, this week that's a
0: tough, that's a tough email to send, by the way. That is a tough and that's a tough beer to have with somebody.
1: Well, we've we've been doing it once a month up to that. But then all okay. of a sudden this one was he just kind of felt it. And we sat down and we, we drink, he's like, how far the first thing he goes, how far long is she? I said three months. He goes, how much longer I got? I got three months. But he just knew.
0: So I look, can you can you tell like walk me through that? Um I because that's an emotional time. Like, were you emotional having to say goodbye to somebody that you've been working with for two and a half years?
1: Oh, yeah, that was really, that was tough, uh, because that team, when I started there, was it was 48 kids, and only eight of them were middle schoolers. And using the SRA model, I wanted to build through middle school. So by the fall of Remy was born in fall of 2016. We had 108 kids and 48 of them were middle schoolers. So we had this huge, and we had five seniors. So wow. we had this huge wow. base. Uh, and then my varsity started as eighth graders. So I watched them go from eighth graders rowing singles and rowing doubles to ninth grade where they started rowing quads uh, to 10th grade and then kind of figuring out how to love the sport and they're like, coach, how do we go faster? All right, here's how you, you got to put some extra work in. Here's how you do it. And then they're just doing it. We had this group of, uh, that I'm still close with, this group of athletes who had just developed this internal motivation that would just stay after or come earlier, do stuff on their own and were like soaking stuff in. Uh, and then I knew by their junior and senior year, they were going to be legit. So That's to, an to insane, not-
0: growth. That's an insane growth.
1: Yeah, to see them kind of be, become young men and women like see the transition and, and to see them go on. And I was still close enough with them where I still got to see them go on, but I didn't get to be directly involved in it. And that's where I had to put my EO aside where it's like, all right, this is what's best for them. This is what's best for me. I could still, you know, have a relationship with them. And I still talk to a bunch of them, you know, you know, summer nets, uh, text messages, they need a recommendation. They text me, uh, but that was particularly hard to kind of see the potential they had and not be part of it.
0: That is on, that's on, I mean, I could feel your positivity and your joy, right? Like we're on a Zoom, but, but I, and, yeah. and we're 185 miles away, but I could definitely feel that positive energy. Um, so the wife, the you, it's not a conversation, it's a clear, this is what we're doing. I've been there a million times, fine. So you move. So, okay, <laughs> continue, to give me this yeah. Where are you going?
1: Yeah, so we come back. I don't have a job at SRA, so I'm just volunteering. I said, volunteer, my wife's pregnant, just don't, don't close up a Long Island, sell the house, do all the administrative stuff. I was volunteering here. And then something opened that summer, uh, helping with Learn all. It's a great 20 hours a week. And that fall, some, some, a middle school director opened up, so I said, all right, I'll take middle school if I can help out with the Ryan. Uh, so he's like, all right, cool. And I, I had a couple guys uh, and that became a Ryan in the morning, middle school in the afternoon, which worked out perfect. Uh, my wife took the morning the evenings I had in between, uh, got to hang out with my kid, got to work from, from home, stuff like that. Uh, and then that, be, that grew in every, every kind of season and other responsibility kind of got added on, website, wording the camps, uh, all these different things, but I always wanted to stay involved with the Orion program because I wanted to have some high-level coaching uh, in addition to coaching the middle school. Uh, I love the middle school. and I love it. They're, they're great, but I always wanted to have some high level. Then uh, the pandemic hit and we had a, a head coach for the varsity boys for a year. I said, great, I'll take that too. Cause we had a, you know, everyone was, was crunched. Regattas went away, income went away. I said, you know, anything to keep us afloat. Who's coaching varsity boys overseeing the middle school, all, doing all these things, uh, just in it. Just just love rowing, love being part of the team, love working towards a goal. Uh and then the skidmore job opened up. And there's only a couple of jobs I would have left SRA for. I love my time at SRA. I love working with Kat. I love working with everyone who's there. Uh, but I've always wanted to get back to college. Uh I had a couple guys who were U23 in the Orion program, did this summer Orion program, got to go to Worlds in 2018 with the lightweight quad. That was awesome. Uh, That was (laughs) fantastic. Went to to, uh, Plavdez. And that was cool because the guys organized it and they asked me to coach them. So that felt amazing, you know, for the guys to be like, hey, we're going to organize this Will you coach us. (laughs) Hell yeah, I'll coach you
0: uh I mean, you can't say no to that I don't care I don't care what you're yeah. doing in your life automatic yes like, like yeah
1: done. yes wow. I'm in
0: uh, so I'm really interested in this Skidmore thing so I want to transition this conversation because like I said it I said it 40 minutes ago like Skidmore is not a noticeable program so you're getting this job in what
1: 2021 uh a lot i got offered last may and i started in august so i haven't even been here a full year yet
0: okay so not even a full year skidmore in the rankings of top programs. Oh, here this is this is princeton yale harvard skidmore is like here right you're yep. not the worst not by far but like if you pull 20 high school kids they're not going to know where skidmore is Mm-hmm. So let's talk about why you made that jump. Why this job was worth leaving what you know?
1: Yeah. Tell me. So when I left it, when I left Ithaca, the goal was always to get back to college, wrong. Uh, but then life happens, and things more important than your individual goals kind of take place. Wife yeah. kids. and uh, I've always said wrong will be one B, even in my interview for Skidmore. Wrong will be one B. My family's always be one A. Uh, so it's like, all right, how do I, so everything I did up until the Skidmore job was to set me up for a college job. When, when the, the unique opportunity came along that I could coach college and still prioritize my family, I, I would take. Uh, so living in Saratoga, Skidmore, I've always had, had an eye on, on Skidmore.
0: So uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, let me interrupt. So from, from that time, Justin Moore, and they all said, hey, go down to high school. You knew then, you're like, whatever it takes, I'm going to get there. But you're, it was a patience thing. You're like, yes, I was going to get there. Manny, how did you know you were going to take that job? Like you spent a lot of time being patient in your high school career coaching. Why Sagamore? Like why, excuse me, why Sidmore, Skidmore? Like why that college job? Yeah, it was, The
1: interview process was was unique in the sense that every job I had applied to before then, I was kind of hoping to get that job. And this Mm -hmm. is the first one where I was like, I'm interviewing them. I like my job. I was the head coach at at SRA. I had a good job. I ran camps. Uh, I had a great support system. Uh, If this isn't a good move, I just say no. Uh, Where I was able to interview them as much as they interviewed me. And I always thought of it. By the end of the interview, it was clear that I was, using analogy, I was like on a uh, Netflix cooking show, except there was no catch. Like I had all the tools I needed to to, to be successful. I just had to work. I just had to cook. Uh, it wasn't like, hey, make a make a cake. There's no flour, good luck. Or, or you know, here's a rowing team. There's no water, good luck. Everything we needed was in place. We just needed to, to grind.
0: <laughs> so uh, I asked this before, I asked, When you made the transition to coach, I said, did you get family support? What kind of family support now? Children, wife, what was that support like? Uh, It's it's unreal,
1: Uh, you know, it's a a lot of communication, a big emphasis on communication uh, because the schedule is always changing. Uh, You know, it's not like a nine to five, what it is in September is what it is in October is, you know, the the fall season is different than the winter. And then the winter is different than winter training. Winter training is different than on the water. Uh, Then summer is completely different, you know. So uh, a lot of communication and making it work. And and Maya is in grad school. So reciprocating that and making sure that she has time to to study for her tests, for her priorities. Uh, But just kind of having each other's back constantly. Uh, And it helps that she's a rower. She she gets the importance of, of race day. She gets, the, she gets the, the work that needs to be put in to be successful. Uh, and we, we make it work Sunday nights, we call a week at a glance and we sit down and we look at the upcoming week and we're like, all right, what do you have on your thing that can't move? What do I have that can't move? What are the things that can move that are important? And we put the, the week together, who's, getting, who's dropping the kids off, who's picking things up? And then we type it up, we put it on, on the wall, on the door. So when you walk out and you know where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there, who you're responsible for, what you're responsible for, and that gets us through the week. And then next Sunday, we sit and we do it again. Uh,
0: you said to me earlier, I don't think we recorded it. You said, I can put my ego in a box. Yeah. And here you are, week in a glance with your wife, pointing things out. Hats off to you, sir, because I, I would always <laughs> be like, well, nothing can move for me. So, you know, we got to figure it out. I think, I think you just cracked the code of a, of a successful marriage. Um, all right, let's, let's, let's get really into Skidmore. Sure. Tell me about the program. What kind of kids you got there? What, what kind of success have you had your first six months of being there?
1: Yeah, our team is awesome. Uh, I have three big things that I preach. Be a good teammate, be there, and get better. And it sounds silly, like, of course, every team wants to do those things but we've been on teams where you don't do those three things and you take those things for granted that they're just going to happen and then they don't uh, if we do those three things we give ourselves a chance we give ourselves a, an opportunity to be successful and to the athlete's credit uh they bought in right away they're like we're doing these things uh they've been there every day they get better uh, we work really hard. They're excellent teammates. I had one athlete, uh, we were doing, we do these, uh, 16 minute pieces. Cause we coached, I coached the men and the women. So if you do a 5k, one guy could be done in, in you know, 1630 and then someone could be done in 24, 16 minutes, everyone's done at the same time. So we, we do this piece and I was actually on COVID protocol. I was watching the piece on zoom, uh, from home. So you, you kind of get an idea of what's going on, but the pieces get over and one of the women stand up and she looks at another one. She's like, I'm so proud of you. You crushed it today. And th- oh, that, that wasn't it. like, like they forgot I was there. That wasn't like a do this for coach. Right. Oh. She was just being a great teammate. So, uh, and she PR herself, but the first thing she does is credit her teammate. I was like, we're going to do that was that moment. We're going to do something. Right. Oh, Cause wow. when you have, when you have a, Athletes who will do anything for each other, you, you give yourself a chance.
0: Home right? run. You, Home you, run. You,
1: yeah. Uh, you give yourself a puncher's chance. You don't gotta connect on all of them. You just gotta connect on one, right? Uh so that that's cool. Uh the athletes have just bought in. Uh, and we're starting we start out the season pretty, pretty successful so far. We've had two races. Um, uh, the women uh, have uh, lost to one boat and beaten five. The men who lost to two and beaten three. Uh,
0: who, who did you race? What, are these, who are these, what, are the, what races did you do so far?
1: Yeah, so this past weekend, we hosted Vassar, uh, St. John Fisher, and Middlebury. Uh, and, and Middlebury's quick. They, they get off the line and, and they didn't look back. Uh, and the, in the before that, we went down to the Manhattan Invite. We were racing Manhattan, Iona, and Stockton. Uh, and to see a maturity out of a young group. So on our women's side, we've got uh, 16 athletes, two coxswains of that group, nine are freshmen. Just uh, then same kind of thing on the, the men's side, we've got 11 athletes, one coxswain, uh, two seniors, two juniors, and the rest are sophomore and freshmen. Uh, early on, we, we, we haven't emphasized starts yet. We're spending a ton of time on our base and to settle low and to chip away. And if someone races a 34, 35, you know, in, in late March and does it well, we tip our hats to them and say, what are you going to do? You know, we're, we're not there yet. So we've settled 30, 31 this past weekend, the men were in fourth by open water, the thousand meter mark. Uh, and then climbed their way to second. They just were, were rely, you know, stay patient, stay, rode their race plan. So we're not going to let anyone shake us. If you're down and they, 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 They beat you, you tip your hat. Like you just take your L and keep moving. But we're not going to react to anyone else. We're going to roll our race plan. And if our race plan is not good enough, then we'll adjust our race plan. But we're not going to react to anyone else. And to have a maturity out of a group that's a lot of freshmen and sophomore to maintain composure, right? Down open water to two boats at the 1,000 meter mark and stay in it. Mm -hmm. And to to walk through in the second half, just that was our race plan. They just stayed patient. They stayed the thirty one. I couldn't do that till I was like a senior, right? Just, uh, you know, I just stroking from the four seat we're, we're going, whether you want to or not. And that didn't, that didn't pay me any dividends, but seeing the athletes do that. And it's, it's a testament to them. They're trusting each other, right? We're not going to. And then, you know, Middlebury, Middlebury beat us. And we, you know, they wrote a 34, they wrote it well, it was clean. They, their catches catch were sharp and, are you gonna do you know that's what i love about rowing there's no defense like in basketball you play defense if someone's doing something you take it away you Mm -hmm. you don't let them do that anymore in rowing you just hats off and and they're faster and and now we know there's more speed out there and we we continue our internal focus get better be there work hard and be a good teammate and we hold on to those three things we'll keep progressing
0: it's the simple things manny right it's like. Keep it simple, stupid. That's a truth statement, right? Yes. But like you can really get into the nitty-gritty. And you've learned this in sports psychology and your master's degree. Like being a teammate has much more things than just saying, be a teammate, right? It's cheering them on. It's it's supporting them when they're down. Being there is much more than just showing up. It's like being there, right? And I and you're yeah, like we're on the same page. Now 30, 30 kids on the team right? So three coxswains, 27 athletes. Um, are you a varsity team? Like, how are you designated as a program? Yeah,
1: varsity, uh, supported by, by athletics. Uh, on the men's side, we, we have signed up for the, the IRA league uh, for the division three national championship We're you know, paid our dues and then filled out our form. I filled mine out a day late, but It's done we're in and eligible uh, and kind of following all the rules that's the that's the goal Uh, and I've told this to my athletes uh, so this is not something they're going to hear and be surprised by Uh, do I think we're going to make it to national this year no but that's the goal in the sense the goal directs our actions right so if we had a a lesser goal we'd have lesser actions I want to have a higher goal and have greater actions and then where we land is where we land but we're not going to sell ourselves short we're going to have lofty goals and then rise to an expectation uh knowing that it's not we're not late to the party uh as as a young team we're getting a two-year head start on their junior and senior year because how you win is with juniors and seniors so all this race experience all this 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 competition all this everything they're doing now is, is is a stepping stone that next year we're one year ahead of that and the following year we're two years ahead of that uh, and it's important that our goal dictate our actions, and that we don't deviate on a day-to-day basis, reading, reacting to, you know, Middlebury Road 34. We have to row 34. We're we're not ready to row 34 yet. We will be, but it's it's April, it's April 5th. We're going to get there uh, when we need to get there.
0: Well, I, you 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 learned that at the high school level, right? Like you you learned that coaching young kids at 12 years old. I think a challenge you're gonna run into is convincing the juniors you have now or the seniors you have now to work hard for the kids behind them. Like That's a really hard thing to do if you're not winning. Now, yes, you're winning, but you're not winning yet. That's, that's gonna be, I think, your biggest hurdle. Um, t- tell me in a few sentences, let's pretend I go 625 and I'm 17 years old. And I live in South Jersey. Why should I row for Skidmore?
1: Yeah. Why should I go there? Tell me why. Yeah, this is a bunch of reasons. Uh, one, we have Skidmore is perfect for the internally motivated athlete. Division three you can only coach 19 weeks, right? Uh, where I can actually work with the athletes. So we do 12 in the fall. We do, or excuse me, seven in the fall, 12 in the spring, right? Halloween to uh, Valentine's Day. Athletes are on their own. But we have everything in place to be successful. On-campus ERG room, varsity weight room, academic support. Uh, don't need to travel to the boathouse in the winter. We can ERG on campus, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, everything you would think with the varsity program, we we have our ERG, we spent a lot of time upgrading our ERG room. Our record board's there now. So everyone knows what we're kind of working towards. We got like the that. TV and the speaker. We got uh, immediately bought two new brand new herb bikes. Because one of the things we found was our injured athletes had to go to another room to, to bike, yeah. which, which stinks, not only are you hurt, now you're hurt and you're isolated. Now they do it here. Uh, we have a, a boathouse that opened in 2018, brand new boathouse. Uh, our alumni support is fantastic. We, were, we wanted to buy some Hudson's. We were, we were a couple dollars short. We sent an email out to our alumni and they covered it in three days. Uh, three days. Yeah. I got us 11,000 in three days. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's everything that you need to be successful is here, but you got to do it on your own. You got to be internally motivated to want to get together and work out in, in between Halloween and, and February. You can't, but there's no excuse. You have everything here. If you're internally motivated, you have everything that you can need. Uh, and one of the, the cool things I'm finding as I learn about my team is they're able to strike a balance between rowing their academics and having uh, a hobby. You know, a bunch of our athletes play music. Uh, and by next year, I think we'll have a full band. You know, they, they we got a guy who plays piano. We got a guy who plays the guitar. We got a guy coming in who plays like four instruments. We got a guy coming in who plays the drums. Uh, that they're able to do those things that they love as part of the Skidmore curriculum, right? As part of their courses, you can still, Take bring, you still work on these things. Uh, you know, we have artists who are into photography, a lot of art, you know, you're into photography, you think of art, you think of like one type of art, but huh. we, have, we have athletes who are ballet dancers uh, and that's how they found Rome. We've got athletes who, who want to do uh, computer design, right? No, They're able uh, to do these other things in Rome. You,
0: I, you know, I got to stop you. I, you. You got me like really thinking hard for a second. And I'm trying to articulate this, and this doesn't happen very often, so you know, hats off to you. Um, you said hobby. I am now convinced that, and you got like you could see that I'm like I'm like piecing this together. The, a major part of success in coaching rowing is allowing children to have a hobby. So many rowing coaches think rowing is a hobby no the fuck it isn't okay it is not it's a hobby when you're 36 and you're gonna go row. it's not a hobby when it's your job at a college that is a really i really appreciate your understanding of time balance that is fantastic allowing these kids to do that
1: my freshman coach did this for me and i wish i had the youtube video he did it to us live in person uh he gets this big jar and he takes a bunch of oranges, fills the jar. Is a jar full? We're like, yeah, Ward, the jar's full. Cool. Then he takes a bunch of gravel, puts it in. Uh, is a jar full? Yeah, Ward, it's full. And then he takes sand. He pours that in, fills it up. Is a jar full? We're like, yeah, now it's full. And then he takes water. He's like, if I dump the water, it'd be full. full. are like, all right, got it. So then he takes everything out. He puts the sand the gravel back in and tries to put the oranges in, but the oranges don't fit. Mm. Uh, and he's like, you, your oranges need to come first. Your family, your schoolwork, rowing needs to be an orange. He's like, you can do other things, but they can't be an orange. If you put other things first, it's an, um, not leave space for an orange. Uh, and that, that I was 18 when I saw that. And it, I still think about it all the time. Like your oranges have to come first. And then your gravel, your sand, your other things. You could do other, th- I'm all for it. But, and as a matter of fact, the truth is skidmore or rowing doesn't need to be an orange. But if you, want it to, if you want to be successful in rowing, it has to be an orange. You can't put gravel effort and expect orange results. Uh, so so if, if you want to make the step and you want to do other things, that's totally fine. But at some point, you'll hit your orange capacity. And now something either needs to be downgraded to gravel sand water or removed or one of your oranges has to shrink and that's the only way it happens you can do you can have four priorities family school rowing and one other thing but if you don't manage your time
0: you're cooked can you imagine if you had 30 kids on your team that put orange first and gravel second you would, you would win. It'll happen. Possible. It, 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 it happens once in a generation. Yeah. So
1: we're, we're, I've been thinking a ton about this and it's not just do they put oranges first, it's, are they allowed to figure out how to make everything an orange that they want to? I didn't figure out how to do it to my junior year. And I'm grateful for my coaches who had the patience with me to figure it out. Because like we said, you win with, with upperclassmen. So it's about teach your underclassmen, how to be responsible and then working through their mistakes with them and then having their backs through their mistakes can still look them to the fold. You know, if, if you, you get rid of a, uh, an athlete every time they make a mistake, there'll be no one left, right? So it's about, there are certain things that are uh, non-negotiable. Some, some mistakes are non-negotiable and there's some mistakes like, all right, you slept through morning practice. You feel bad? I do. It won't happen again, right? It just, just if you have the right athletes, those mistakes will correct themselves and it's about having being allowed to grow into that so it can be an internal motivation if it's not an internal motivation like if I come down with fire and brimstone they'll never do it again but will they be internally motivated to fix it no Uh, and then you know all the athletes leave and I vent how frustrated I am because I swallow it but the truth is that that's what it needs to the patience to develop and cultivate and know that these mistakes, we're going to learn from them and we're going to get better from them and, and that's how we're going to build a team that trusts each other because we trust that, not that we'll be flawless, but that we can rebound from mistakes. We've seen each other rebound from mistakes over the past three, four years and now, all right, so-and-so made a mistake, cool, we'll rebound. So that's how we build kind of that trust and that's how the athletes know how to, how to manage. I don't think it's going to happen I don't think we're gonna recruit athletes that just do that. I think the coaches need to develop that skill the same way we develop catches, roll of timing, finishes is the skill that we we want to develop.
0: Manny, I have a great time. <laughs> you got me. That's
1: it? I, well, it's like, you know, I'll talk I- Talk for, <laughs> I cleared my schedule for you. I'll talk
0: wrong all day. <laughs> I mean, geez, yeah. Louise, I would love to get it. I mean, listen. I think one of my things that I do want to talk about—we um, just don't have the time—is what can what can the decision makers in our sport do to cultivate a better flow of athletes from 12 and up? Like, how can we actually grow our sport from someone who's been there at all levels? Right? I, I think I think the decision makers are so far Ooh. removed from real world rowing. Like they don't actually know what to do. Um, yeah. I would love to talk to them about that for the next four or five hours, but <laughs> I mean, you know, actually, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you your, I'll give you your stage. I know that you had an event yesterday. Yeah, I'm going to give you a stage. I'm, you're going to tell me right now, how do we get, forget about diversity. Like I, I, I I'm tired of like having that be the only focus, the focus should be 12 year olds. I don't care skin color. I don't care size, shape. How do we get 12 and 13 year old boys and girls into our sport? Like all the other sports do lacrosse, baseball, soccer, football. How do we do it, Manny? You tell me right now.
1: All right. So I think there's an, you want the breed version? You want the long version? Like how much time do I have? Because I'll, I'll, you know,
0: I'm going to give you five minutes. Okay. So Get me the five
1: minute rundown of what do we do? Okay. So one of the so when I was at, at SRA, we partnered with the high school, uh, and we we had a, a, a phys ed takeover. We brought in thirty ergs and took over the phys ed classes. Uh, you have a basketball unit, you have a, a soccer unit. Now we have a rowing unit. All right. We went in, and middle school middle schoolers are awesome. They they. They may not say they want to learn, but they may, they don't want to learn through textbook and, and they don't want to, they want to learn through how they want to learn. So we had tons of games, tons of creativity and tons of just letting them figure it out. One of the things I would do was just quiet demo. I would just urge in silence. I said, pay attention, you're going to need this. I just just you, silence. Just you, yep. just you urge. Just urge in silence for 30 seconds. I'd be like, all right, go do that. And then figure it out. And then, one, then after that, we would play what's called the A-B game, right? So A is correct, the perfect stroke. And then B, something is glaringly wrong.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm hold on, I'm writing this down, hold on. Okay. You say A-B game.
1: Yep, I got a video of it, so I'll send it to you. I got, please
0: do, please
1: uh, do. A is correct, B is glaringly wrong, right? Shooting the tail, breaking the arms, uh, all the general novice mistakes, right? I say I, I tell them A is right, B is wrong. I'm not going to tell you what's what's wrong with it, right? You got to figure it out. And then we start doing it. Here's A. Here's B. Here's A. Here's B. And they start whispering, always oh, doing this, always oh, doing that. Da, 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 da. Go show me A. Break, and they go off. But allowing rowing is, is naturally not a creative sport, right? It's, it's, you all have to do the same thing together. But there are instances where you can inject creativity, right, to get the way you want to where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we play these games so they figure out they have to use their creative side and have to pay attention instead of me rambling up there, right? It was uh, them watching and trying to figure it out on their own like a puzzle, right? And by the end, they all they all got the same results. You know, you can do arms, body, legs, legs, body, arms. You can do the AV game. It's, a you know, 40 minutes later, it's the same crude stroke. Except like, so one, they had a ton of fun. The other one, they had a coach talking at them, right? So the fun, the energy that comes along with it, Middle schoolers want to be in your fun stuff. They want to be in your energy. They want high fives and fist pounds. They want to be told they're awesome. Right. Hey, you, you're the man. You walk away and that kid will that kid will do anything. Hey, you, you're pretty good at this. Have you done this before? Right? No, you're natural, right? People want to feel good about themselves. People want to go to a sport where they feel like they, they feel like they're bad at it. Right. Who's it? Plus it's too expensive, right? You don't want to pay all this money to be bad at something. Right. So so people want to feel like they're 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 improving. People want to feel like they're getting better. So there was the middle school thing. Uh, we did our learn to row, uh, again, same energy, quiet demonstrations. Uh, we would do demos in a rec single and we in, uh, included the, uh, the high schoolers as volunteers. They were incredible. Uh, so all the SRA, we call them junior coaches. Uh, they were absolutely incredible. They would either go out in a quad with learn to row or they go out a, alongside a a and learn to do quad in a rec single. And instead of us describing the drill, we would tell the varsity athlete in the rec single, "Hey, pause it arms and body over." And they would just pause it arms and body over, and then their single their quad would watch, I'm like, "Do that." And then they'd pause it the arms and body over, and if they didn't get it, i watch it again. "What are you doing differently?" "Oh, when I'm pausing my hands are behind my knees and his hands are after his knees." "Cool, do that." Right? Trying to inject as much creativity as we could, uh, and then you mentioned earlier about the parents. One of the things we did at SRA is we rented a charter boat, and we at the end of the the it was a two week learner row, The end of the two week learner row, we would uh, bring our parents on the water for head of the goldfish. That head of the fish, head of the goldfish, and we do these three minute pieces, you know, two minute pieces, and all the parents got to watch from the water, uh, which was absolutely fantastic. Uh, <laughs> uh and we put every we put a junior coach in every quad and the junior coach is told you're not here to win you're here to keep it interesting don't let you know you're six three 190 pounds you you can win the learn to Work race just make sure your crew is going straight and make sure they're side by side with someone and have some fun uh if your crew's falling behind add a little ump. if your crew's pulling ahead back off but keep it interesting uh and then we did multiple like one minute pieces. So no, if someone had a, a, a boat stopping crab, whatever, you get another piece coming versus like your whole two K's over. We just got another one. Uh, and I'm doing the same thing here at Skidmore. We live stream as many of our races on Instagram because Saratoga is not a great viewing, viewing venue, but we live stream the races on Instagram. They get a chance to watch their, their, their athletes race, uh, but it's got to be fun and energetic or, or you're cooked uh if you're if you're and middle school are attracted to the fun and energy whether it's it's rowing whether it's 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 handball whether it's it's, it's yahtzee if it's fun and energetic they'll 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 want to find it
0: let's do a recap do a recap all right you gotta be geeking right now number one the physical education takeover that's pretty smart um i wouldn't say that that's like i don't think you invented that i think that's a really cool nope. thing that, that you drew, you drew from somewhere else. Uh, erging in silence is very John Wooden of UCLA. So UCLA coach would say, "This is how you do it. This is how you're doing it. This is how you do it." Right? He had this like three step process that clearly worked with all those those NCAA championships. Like cream Abdul Jabbar. The the brilliant thing that I am like geeking out about is the charter boat for visuals for parents nobody likes watching rowing from this far away you're like this sucks like okay but when you're on the water with the kids seeing their faces like it's very henley-esque right you're like right there yeah that is one of the smartest things i have ever heard with with regards to that getting the parent buy-in with the kids and then lastly Which I think is a language choice. I think it's really smart. Is the volunteers? It's junior coaches. They're not rowers. When a rower feels like a coach, and you know this from your time when you transitioned to being a coach, um, uh, when you were a grad assistant, a grad assistant, right? You're a coach, not a rower. You treat the stroke differently, right? And then when those kids coach the stroke, they become better a year later because that's how coaching works, Manny.
1: And then I don't know how many of them became actual coaches when they, you know, they graduate high school, they go to college, they come back. We need summer yeah. staff. They has doing it for three years. years.
0: Yeah. It's like, it's like you're, you're building, you're building a really strong base for, for future rowing. Manny, you cracked the code. Maybe you did. Maybe you I think you cracked the uh, code
1: again. We'll <laughs> see. I'll let you quick. know in three years.
0: <laughs> yeah, you will. Uh, Manny, this is fantastic. Thank you for this yeah, hour long. Yeah. This is one of the longest ones we've had in a while. Um, and anyone tuning in either via YouTube that you can see our faces or if you're on the podcast channels, we will put a link in there to get a hold of Manny at Skidmore. We want to see more athletes get to Skidmore. Fantastic coach, 2018 boathouse. And by the way, I have been to almost every boathouse in America. And I can tell you if it's new in 2018, it's going to be way better <laughs> than most boathouses out there uh, in America. Manny, thank you again for being here. This is good.
1: Thank you. This has been a blast. Anytime,
0: let's do All it right. again. Anyone tuning in, we have way more podcasts coming out.